0: Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. Join us now as Pastor Keith shares today's message. Happy Mother's Day. You know, Mother's Day um, uh, had uh, a very interesting beginning. It actually didn't begin in our country. A uh, little research uh, this week and learned some things I did not know about Mother's Day. Uh, it um, uh, One of the... Uh, uh, novel things about mother's day the national restaurant association loves mother's day it is a uh, it is uh, now officially uh, the day when the most people ever uh single day uh eat out and so uh mom if your family hadn't planned on that ask them, what's the deal because everybody else is taking their their mom out to lunch uh, uh today the um mother's day In America, was copied uh, from England by a a social activist named Julia Howard, uh, Julia Ward Howe. Uh, This was right after the Civil War, American Civil War, and it was a peace movement. Actually, it was a uh, an anti-war movement. And so, moms, I think you've forgotten that we're still having trouble with these wars. So, why don't y'all step it up? This next generation of moms here and help us uh, with this thing. Uh, She wrote, uh, actually Julia Ward Howe wrote a Mother's Day proclamation in 1870 uh, calling for peace and disarmament. And I want to read this to you, pretty radical call. She wrote, Arise then women of this day. Arise all women who have hearts, whether you're Baptism be of water or of tears. Say firmly, We will not have questions answered by irrelevant agencies. Our husbands will not come to us reeking with carnage for caresses and applause. Our son shall not be taken from us to unlearn all that we have been able to teach them of charity, mercy, and patience. We, the women of one country, will be too tender toward those of another country to allow our sons to be trained to injure theirs. Hmm, what a statement. From the voice of a devastated earth, a voice goes up our own. It says, disarm. The sword of a murder is not in the balance of justice. Blood does not wipe our dishonor away, nor does violence indicate possession. As men have often forsaken the plow and the anvil at the summons of war, let women now leave all that may be left of home for a great and earnest day of counsel. Let them meet first as women to bewail and commemorate the dead. Let them solemnly take counsel with each other as to the means whereby the great human family can live in peace, each bearing, after his own time, the sacred imprint, not of Caesar, but of God. In the name of womanhood and humanity, I earnestly ask that a general congress of women without limit of nationality may be appointed and held at some place deemed most convenient and the earliest period consistent with its objects, to promote the alliance of the different nationalities, the amicable settlement of international questions, the great and general interests of peace. Wow. Happy Mother's Day. I mean, she was intent here. Now, she failed to gather that meeting. That meeting never took place. Uh, Her idea was, was influenced by a uh, lady of a couple of uh decades earlier named Ann Jarvis she was a young appalachian wife and mother homemaker who in in uh, 1858 attempted to improve sanitation uh through what was called mothers work days and i think almost every day's mothers work day but she these were kind of special in that um, uh, throughout, starting in fifty-eight and, and on through the American Civil War, she promoted uh, these days in hopes of improving sanitary conditions for both sides of the uh, of the American Civil War. Let's see what else was interesting here. In eighteen sixty-eight, after the war, she began efforts uh, rallied around Mother's Day to bring reconciliation between. Uh, Union and Confederate neighbors all through uh, Appalachia. In the um, when she died, Ann Jarvis, her daughter Anna Jarvis, kind of picked up the crusade uh, to, and, and desired to found a memorial day for for women, and so she led the first official celebration of Mother's Day. In uh, Grafton, West Virginia, got any West Virginia natives in here? Got a few. Got anybody know where? Ever, anyone ever been to Grafton? Uh huh. You know what's there? the the, um, the International Mother's Day Shrine is in Grafton, West Virginia. That's where it was observed first time uh, at the uh, Andrews Methodist uh, Episcopal Church, where her mother had taught Sunday school all of her adult. Uh, life and from there the custom caught on, and 45 states set aside this second Sunday of May uh, as as Mother's Day uh, by by 1912. Then in 1914, President Woodrow Wilson declared a national day, Mother's Day celebration, the first uh, first one. Uh, for the purpose of encouraging all Americans to fly the American flag for a very specific reason to honor all of the mothers in the United States of America whose sons had died in war so pretty solemn pretty solemn day now 9 years after that official nationwide declaration the the holiday you know was infected with the good old American way, we commercialized it. To the point that Anna Jarvis and her family spent the rest of their life and their entire fortune battling against the commercialization of Mother's Day and they died in poverty. And, and so um, we forgot the original purpose, which we tend to do uh, in, our, in our lives. Well, as I thought about Mother's Day... Uh, this week, I, I thought about how do we best honor and love our mothers. And a passage of Scripture came to mind. I want you to turn to it. It's way back over in the New Testament, in the little book of Philippians. Just four chapters long, about 102, hundred and verses. Not very long. Way back over, about right there in your Bible. Philippians chapter uh, 2, verses 3 and 4. And I think here we find uh, how how to treat your mama. Really not only how to treat your mama, but everybody else. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. You read along silently. Let me read this aloud. This is God's Word. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Most mothers live this verse already. Uh, I think the rest of us need some help here. And so let's let's ask God to help us. Most of us in this room are already Christians, already followers of Jesus. Uh, this is what we're about to see is the kind of, of work that God the Holy Spirit will do in our hearts as we rightly understand and rightly follow the Lord Jesus. He will turn us into the kind of people who naturally, from the inside out, begin to behave more and more like this. Like these verses describe, not only toward our moms, but toward everyone else. For those of you who are not yet followers of Christ, again, this will be an opportunity for us to pull back the curtain in the family of God and let you peek over into... Uh, the Scriptures and see what Christ might do in your heart should you decide to commit your life to Him. Uh, You may be wondering, I don't don't know if I commit my life to Christ, what's He going to do to me? This is what He'll do to you. He'll turn you into this kind of person. And so let's let's take a look at this. We find here the Apostle Paul writing, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, writing to the Christians in the church uh, in uh, of the Roman colony called Philippi back in the first century. And he wrote to them uh, telling them uh, the way to be encouraged as a church, to have comfort as a church, the way to experience real community and unity and compassion uh, as a church family, the way to have joy and purpose in their own lives. Uh, he, he said the way to do this was to consider others better than Themselves, not to look out only for their own interests, but also for the interests uh, of others. Now, uh, you might be saying, "Well, Pastor, are you saying that I should just not? I should just totally give up on myself and serve other people?" Well, kinda, but not not totally. Uh, let me uh, walk through this passage with you, and uh, let's see what it says. Let's take a look at verse 3. Here's how to treat your mama and everybody else. Here's what he says first. Jot this down in your note sheet there. First of all, take no actions in your life out of a divisive spirit. Take no actions in your life with a motive of, of, uh, of faction or division or uh, you could call it group selfishness. He says in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish. Ambition. This is a phrase uh, that did not so much speak of individuals as it spoke of groups in the church. Now, uh, he's not talking to the greater culture here. And uh, he's not, uh, you know, in our, in our, our country, is terribly divided. Here we are in this highly charged political season and we're more divided than ever. That's another sermon for another time. He's not specific speaking to the culture. He's speaking to a church family. So Christians, he's, he's speaking to you and me. He's so evidently, there were divisions in the church at Philippi. Uh, there's, they, it was, they had some us and them kind of things going on. One church I served, I walked into a room to visit with a man who would asked for a meeting, and he said, what are y'all doing up there at that church? Well, he was a member of the church. You know, at any time a conversation in my life, J.B., begins with y'all up there, it, it's going south. It's not It's not good. There's division. And I said, wait a minute, well, who, what, what's this y'all up there? It's we. It's we. Well, they, imagine a church having conflict. Who ever heard of such a thing? But evidently in the church at Philippi, they had some divisions and there were some actions being taken to we want to get what we want, you know, us and them kind of thing. Uh, Paul, inspired by God's Spirit, first of all, says do nothing out of group selfishness. Do nothing out of group selfishness. Do nothing. And so for you and me, as it relates to individuals uh, helping people, he's saying uh, don't treat other people that way. Take no actions out of a divisive spirit. Second, if you want to know how to best treat your mama and everybody else, write this down. Don't live to impress others. Don't live to impress others. He says in verse 3, do nothing out of vain conceit. Vain conceit. Now, this term vain conceit describes someone who, uh, it's, it's very specific. It speaks of someone who seeks to elevate their own position by consistently putting down the other people around them. You don't really elevate yourself. You just kind of push other people down so you look like your head and shoulders again uh, above everyone else. Now we have a tendency as human beings to do just that. Point out the flaws of the other people uh, around us. And he says, don't, don't do that. Don't live to impress others. Don't do anything out of vain conceit, vain glory, seeking your, your own uh, to elevate your own, uh, own status. So if you want to know how to treat your mama and everybody else, start with this: do nothing out of a divisive spirit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, and third, he says, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Verse uh, three says to do this in humility. In humility. Now, this is the opposite of being self-serving. It's the opposite of being uh, boastful or arrogant or or uh, uh, selfishly prideful. Uh, it is the. Uh, it doesn't mean Humility, from the Christian sense, does not mean that you think less of yourself. It, you've heard me say this before. It means that you think of yourself less. And you think of others uh, more often. Now, that's our fundamental problem, isn't it? We are self-centered. We, we show up that way. Uh, and so, to humble ourselves means that we intentionally choose to think of others. We think of ourselves less rather than, than more. In fact, truth of the matter is, you can best get what you need in life if you help everybody else get what they need in life. If you make that your your aim. And so, if you want to know how to treat your mama, do nothing out of a divisive spirit, do nothing out of vain conceit, don't seek to impress others... Humble yourself, think of yourself less. And number four, consider other people more important than you. Look at verse three again. Consider others better than yourselves. That better means as more important. Well, what, what might that look like? Well, what, what do you think about how you treat people that you consider to be important? Students, when you're at school. You know, there's, there's the people over there at that table who you think are the important people. Uh, and you'd like to be in with them or, or, or at work or in, you know, in, in your neighborhood or wherever you live, work, and play. The people that you consider to be important. You'd like for them to know you. You'd like to, to, to be accepted by them. How do you treat people that you believe to be more important than you? Well, you treat them your kind to them. Uh, you're polite. You, you, you behave ma- in, in, with good manners toward them. You know, manners uh, get a, a, a wrongful slap in our culture. There's a little kid's book written uh, years and years and years ago uh, that uh, if, to my generation and the title of the book was, Manners Make You Nice to Know. Manners Make You Nice to Know. <laughs> Uh, bad manners make you not nice to know if you're wondering. And so uh, how do you treat people who are you consider to be more important? Well, you, you're polite to them. You're kind to them. You defer to them. You treat them even better than you would want to be treated. Well, then do that to your mama. Do that with your mom and and, and everybody else. So take no actions out of a divisive spirit. Don't seek to live to impress other people, uh, do humble yourself, do consider others to be more important than you because that's the way God says it and it works best. And number five, don't just live for your own interests. Look at verse four. Each of you should look not only to your own interests. And notice here that he's not saying you shouldn't look out for your interest at all. I mean, that's, but that's not our problem, is it? Again, we are self Centered, We naturally keep the porch swept clean in front of our own front door. We get up thinking about our ourselves. Our favorite radio station is WIIFM, What's In It For Me. Uh, we, we, um, we promote ourselves. We go to assertiveness training. Uh, you know, we focus on self-esteem. We, um, our favorite song is Toby Keith's song, I Want To Talk About Me. Uh, we we naturally look out after our own interests, but so he's he's saying something here that is quite countercultural. I mean, he's saying if you want to, if you really want to have what you need in life, then you focus on making sure that everyone else has what they need in life, and you work toward their interest. Don't look out only for your own interest. If you want the best way to treat your mama, you treat her that way. You focus on what's best for her. You help other people get what they want first. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. By the way, this is one of the ways that we live out our love people part of our mission as a church. Our church exists to make more followers of Christ and better followers of Christ who love God and love people. Who love God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength and love their neighbor as their self. Or love their mama as their self. How do we? How do we do this? How do we practically do this? Well, we think about working to help others reach their own hopes, their own dreams, what's best for them in their life. Helping other people get their daily needs met, and this this affects everyone. This affects where we live, our spouse, our children, uh, our neighbors. It affects where we work, our boss, our our fellow employees, our associates, our customers. Uh, It affects where we worship, our Dogwood Church family. Uh, It affects everyone. Help other people get what they want first. You can best get what you need in life by helping other people get what they need in life. So how do you treat your mama and everybody else? Do nothing out of a divisive spirit. Do nothing out of vain glory or vain conceit or to impress others, don't live to impress others, humble yourself, consider others more important than you are uh, to yourself. Don't just live for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. Now, this is God's genius plan. I mean, think about this. If you're like every other American and you say, I'm going to look out for number one, how many people do you have looking out and pursuing uh, what you need in life? One. But if in the family of God, in the church family, which is how this is supposed to be lived out, if we, are, if we are able to live this way, that we consider others more important than ourselves, working for everyone else's good, then you've got a you whole church family working for your good. It's, it's God's picture of a, of a riot of love and good deeds, of a, of, of a creation of a new kind of human being a new community called the church where people live seeing who can out-love, out-serve, out-help each other. It's it's kind of a funny sight to see uh, in our mind's eye of people just like an anthill working hard to love and care for each other to make sure everyone else has what they need in this life. What's best? It's God's genius plan. Here's the only problem. You can't live that way. Nobody lives up to these two verses all the time. No one. No one. Some of us never do. Now, there are two groups of people here I want to address. First, those of you who are not Christians, you're not followers of Jesus, you may can do this from time to time with a lot of effort, but your default setting is to go back to selfishness. You can't help it. You are a slave, the Bible says, you are a slave to a selfish heart. The Scriptures say, apart from Christ, when, when we, that we are slaves of sin. We are slaves. We live under the reign and rule of sin. It, sin corrupts our heart. It has killed our heart. We are dead in our trespasses and sins, the Scripture says. You have a dead heart, dead to a relationship with God, dead to the life-giving relationship with God's Spirit. And you, that's why, and you don't work right. You don't think just right. You don't act just right. You don't, we can't love other people just right. We, we keep messing up. We keep bumping our heads on the same rock. What you need is a heart transplant. And the Scriptures say that when we turn from our self-centeredness, admit our sin, and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and put our active trust in Him... And what he accomplished when he died on the cross for our sin, because of our sin, in our place, and surrender to him as Lord of our life, that he does a lot of things. Here are some of them: that he creates in us a clean heart. He, uh, the the theological term is regeneration. He regenerates our heart. It's not that he fixes the old one; he gives us a new one. The 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 prophet in the Old Testament said. He takes out of us a heart of stone and puts into us a heart of flesh. In other words, he takes he takes our old hard, dead heart out and gives us a big old soft heart that is in right relationship with Him. And He places in us His own Holy Spirit and begins to transform us from the inside out. What Scriptures mean in this same little book a few verses later in Philippians? to about verses 11 and 12 where he said, For it is God who is at work in you both to desire and to do what pleases Him. He, 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 put, he, he, cha- he, he changes us from the inside out and He begins to turn us. And that's not, it's not complete, but it starts. And in a progressive manner, He begins to turn us into the kind of people who do not look out merely for their own interests but also for the interests of others. We, we, find, we find that we naturally begin to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourself. Your next step is to repent of your sin, place your faith in Jesus, and surrender to Him as Lord of your life. But you know, those of us who are believers, which are the majority of us still in this room, our problem is that we forget this. We forget the gospel from time to time. And we begin to live in our own power. We just ignore Christ. We forget, we forget that it is life in Christ that matters. And we find ourselves, because of our own sinfulness, drifting away, forgetting that we need to remember God's grace and we need to yield daily to the control of the Holy Spirit for He is the one who empowers us. He is the one who is at work in us. Uh, to desire and do what pleases God. He is the one who manifests God's life through us. That is why we are to daily deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Christ. And so some of you have forgotten that five hours ago. Some of you forgot it five days ago. Some of you forgot it five months ago. Some of you forgot it five decades ago. And so what we should do is come back and say, okay, Lord, I remember, based on all you've done for me, your great mercies, I submit my body unto you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is my spiritual worship. I give myself back to you. You live your life through me again this day. So why don't we pray and do that now? Let's pray. Just turn the place where you're seated into your own private place of prayer. Those of you who need to come to Christ for the very first time, do so. Those of you like me who need to remember and yield yourself to the control of God's Holy Spirit, you do so now. So Lord, thank you for hearing these prayers. Thank you for your amazing grace and your indwelling spirit that you give us when we follow you. Lord, may... You continue to do this work in every one of us in this church family to turn us into the kind of people who live in love in this fashion. And it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you'd like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword dogwood to to 779-77 or click the give link online you can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video and more